Chelsea Fairless. And I'm Lauren Garoni. What was that? My mom was like, love the podcast, think you're great, think Chelsea's great. The only time you're monotone is when you say your name. So maybe be a little more upbeat. Oh, it sounds so unnatural. It really does. I think I think you should stick with the, the monotone. Uh, <laughs> I'm mildly hungover, in case you can't tell from listening to my voice. Do I literally have an ice roller on my forehead right now? Yeah, I gave Chell an ice roller and she's rolling it against her forehead as I speak. I'm also like pounding. I like have two cans of Diet Coke that I'm pounding. To be fair, they're mini Diet Cokes. Yeah. I don't feel that bad about it, honestly. But it's good. I mean, one thing about me is that being hungover does make me a funnier person than I would be otherwise. So I think it'll I think it'll serve the comedy, you know? Yeah, you got a real great attitude. See, that sounded sarcastic, but I meant that genuinely. Um, um, Benifer is back, baby. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, then you definitely know that Benifer 1.0 is, is back on. Maybe, probably. Well, now we're in Benifer 2.0. No, because that was Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner. Oh. So is this better for I forgot about that. Wow. What are the odds? I know. So over the weekend, the paparazzi just happened to capture the duo, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez, riding around together in Montana, where it said that they spent a whole week together at Affleck's ski chalet at the Yellowstone Club in Big Sky. I mean, I feel like as a country, we needed this right now. You know, there's oh, yeah. something like really wholesome about it, despite the fact that they're shacked up in Montana, probably having the most depraved sex, hopefully. Well, I was going to say to those who say manifestation doesn't work. I've been manifesting this since 2005. <laughs> Have you? I'm just 16 years off in my manifestations, it would seem. I think the nice thing about it is it it gives us hope in a weird way. For what? <laughs> it, well, it's like the fences can be mended and it gives me hope for other celebrity couples maybe getting back together. I mean, hot take, but these two are soulmates for a multitude of reasons. <laughs> Which are what? Which are, they just are. If you were there for Benifer 1.0, which I was, he loved her and she really fucked loved him which we'll get into but also they're the same level of fame and they're the same level of fame whore like they know how to play the press perfectly yeah this is not a taylor swift tom hiddleston suddenly these two are together and there's like crystal clear clear paparazzi photos she did it the right way you got a us weekly mention that they were seen he was seen at her house then you got a photo of him and her escalade being driven around and then boom together on a holiday love this for them shall we get into a time machine just for those who are not aware of the timeline of the original benefer so the two met in 2001 on the set of gili right iconic uh lopez was married to the backup dancer chris judd at the time that marriage ended in june of 2002 and then by november of that year affleck had proposed with the 6.1 carat pink harry winston diamond what if she starts wearing that diamond again you know she didn't sell it or give it back there's no way jennifer lopez gave that ring back yeah i wonder and then that same month the jenny from the block video premieres where j-lo makes affleck her very own himbo video vixen yeah 
That part where he is he putting sunscreen on her ass or is he just he, like tapping her ass? She's wearing a string bikini and it's like he's he's undoing one of the strings. It's hot. Caressing her ass on a yacht. Love that. It is interesting that this early aughts couple is coming back at a time where TikTokers and Gen Z is discovering early aughts as like a fashion concept. It made me realize like I'm surprised that more celebrity couples from the early aughts don't reunite just solely for the publicity because this is giving both of them a bit of a glow up. But this could be applied to less famous people. Like if Carson Daly and Jennifer Love Hewitt just like went to Craig's one night, got papped. They get a good little round of press out of it. Do you think Johnny Depp's people have made inroads with Winona Ryder and they're like, maybe? Oh my God, can you imagine? Or if he got back together with Kate Moss. That seems toxic. I was just going to say the toxic duo that we don't need. Well, mostly because I'm haunted by that story that she said about how he put like a diamond necklace in his ass and then like made her get it. What? Wait, you haven't heard about this? (laughs) What? Oh, really? Go on. That's as simple as it is. She like walked into her hotel room at the Chateau Marmont and he was apparently on all fours with a diamond necklace. But clenching it between his ass cheeks. Okay. She mentioned this to a journalist and I think it was implied that it was in the cheeks. Okay. But you would then like to all believe. this stuff sort of became circulating on Demois actually recently that it was actually like in his fully ass. in his ass. I love that Kate Moss doesn't do interviews and the one time that she does, she reveals this. It was from a very old interview that got. Do, do you think this is why? This is why. <laughs> this is why Kate, Kate Moss, Moss can't do, do interviews. <laughs> Smartest move she ever made, honestly. I'm surprised that more non-Beyonce celebrities haven't adopted this strategy. And Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck are the complete opposite of a Beyonce and Kate Moss. I remember there was a full Dateline special that featured an hour-long interview with the two of them. This is a wonderful little window into domestic tranquility. Isn't it nice? Uh, Good luck keeping that wedding private. Look what happened when we were filming right there in their own backyard. Where? Right there. Oh my God, there's paparazzi right there. That's a real fucking window into a day in the life. (laughs) So anyway, they were to be married in September of 2003 in Santa Barbara, but called off the wedding days before, citing the media intrusion. However, the tabloid narrative was that their relationship broke up because Ben Affleck went to a strip club with Christian Slater in Vancouver, I believe. That sounds like a a sordid (laughs) evening right there. Uh, Yeah, and then in January 2004, Lopez's rep would say that their engagement was off. And then I think within a year, she was with Mark Anthony and he was with Jennifer Garner. I'm glad that era is over. That was boring. I'm glad, I mean, thank God this happened, honestly, because both of them weren't dating interesting people, in my opinion. It's not about Anadé Armas. It's definitely not about A-Rod. A tabloid report came out. You know, all these sources being so generous with these intimate details about them. I don't know how these came out. Yeah. That Ben Affleck has been emailing her since February. Although the timing is is quite interesting, seeing that A-Rod allegedly cheated on Jennifer Lopez and she was sort of humiliated in the press. And then Ben Affleck was recently humiliated by some thought on Instagram when she posted a video he sent her when she unmatched him on Raya because she didn't really think it was Ben Affleck. So he then found her on Instagram and said, hey, it's Ben. Why did you unmatch me? Which is... Um, yeah, who thought that was a good idea? I mean, Ben Affleck, clearly. Did you see that tweet that was the photo of them in the car together? And then someone was like, God damn, Jennifer Lopez has been back with Ben Affleck for a week and he's already hot again. I think his Phoenix tattoo is disappearing like the, in the photo of Back to the Future. <laughs> That's perfect. 
Yeah, like I said, it's a glow up for both of them. Does this mean that when Jennifer Lopez goes back to her Vegas residency, she'll be singing the song Dear Ben? Oh, God. Dear (laughs) Ben is terrible. It's my obsession. So on the album that Jenny from the Blah comes from, which is I think This Is Me Then. I don't know. I'm not on an album. I'm a singles only (laughs) bitch when it comes to J-Lo. But this whole album is about Ben Affleck. That was another sign before there were photos of them together that they were probably back together is at that like vac live concert she sang the song completely avoided that whole thing same but i guess she sang the song i'm glad which was about ben affleck and she literally has not sung it since they've been together but going back to my favorite song on the album which is called dear ben which as you can imagine (laughs) is about ben affleck and I 110% believe she wrote the lyrics because some of the lyrics are, I write this song to let you know that you will always be my lust, my love, my man, my child, my friend, and my king. I love you. You're perfect. A manifestation of my dreams. You make my body feel about a million different things. There's no way I'd leave you. It's not a reality. By the way, these are all in chronological order. I didn't take lyrics from different points of the song. This is all back Look, to back. She's to back. no Taylor Swift. <laughs> Let's just say that. She's making good on that promise. She's like, there's no way I'd leave you. It's just not a reality. Yeah. But the asterisk was like, we're going to leave each other for like 17 years, but then come back together. And I can't wait to see how this evolves. Any other couples you think should get back together? I know this is unrealistic, but I would love to see Brad and Gwyneth go at it again. I know that she's happily married, and I know that he's busy going to AA meetings and making sculptures and, like, hanging out with Alia Shawcat. But I would like to see that again. I'd like to see them dust off those androgynous twinning looks that they used to do in the 90s. I mean, his hair's pretty long, so maybe it's just a long hair twinning look now. Also, they've both aged as well as two people can age. That's you know, true. like they're still just as hot as they were when they were young. It would just be amazing to see. Um, I would say if we're talking about early aughts, just crazy in love, great paparazzi photos. It reminds me of Drew Barrymore and Fabrizio Moretti. Mm-hmm. I would love to see them back together. I remember I saw them at the Coachella where they met, apparently. Oh, that really does age me. But I'd like to see her get back with Tom Green. That was a weird vibe. And it was a really touching interview. I know you didn't, I don't think you watched it. it. To me, it was, no, I did watch it. To Uh, me, it was a little awkward. We're referring to Drew Barrymore on her daytime talk show had Tom Green on after not seeing him for like 18 years. Yeah, I was like, how's your mom? (laughs) That's all I remember. One of my favorite Drew Barrymore, Tom Green moments, which actually this does connect back to Ben Affleck. Do you remember the story that Drew Barrymore's house caught on fire and her and Tom Green had to escape it? No. Okay, well, this happened, and I grew up in Los Angeles, so I remember on the local news, went to her house as it was, like, burning down, and, you know, they're asking all those stupid questions. It's like, how are you doing? And they're in, like, her Porsche, and Tom Green's driving, and goes, you know, we're okay, except for the fact that the house burned down! (laughs) And I, my dad and I always quote that to each other, but... That house burned down, and then Ben Affleck bought that house when he was dating Jennifer Lopez. Oh, wow. Who, you, you way to bring it back. Who was living at a gated community just up the hill called The Summit, which she lived in the house that Gwen Stefani then bought. Wow. So there's your uh, real estate minute with Lauren Caroni. <laughs> I mean, you could honestly have your own podcast just about this shit. Moving on. 
Are you ready for another slight lecture? Sure. So over the last week, a domino effect of sorts has occurred that has resulted in the Golden Globes basically not existing anymore. Okay, yes. I do need you to explain this to me because I could not be bothered to figure out what is going on. If you too could not be bothered but would like to know what the fuck is going on with the Golden Globes and the Hollywood Foreign Press... Get ready. So I would say that this dates back to maybe when this year's Golden Globes nominations came out, and it was quite egregious that there were no Golden Globes nominations for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, for Defy Bloods, I think most egregiously that there was no nomination for Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You, and then also putting Minari, which is an American film, in the foreign film category. Oh, that's wild. (laughs) Yeah. In February, the LA Times published a bombshell article about the Hollywood Foreign Press, the organization behind the Golden Globes that revealed, among other things, they have no black members. Most of them aren't actually full-time journalists. I assume that, like, none none of them were white. Am I crazy? It's like the foreign press. Aren't they just press from foreign countries? Uh, This would be Eurocentric foreign countries. Okay. And then I would say the most insane thing that people quote from this LA Times article would be that lavish trip where they send journalists to the Paris set of Emily in Paris. Oh, right. Which, you know, just so happened to garner a few nominations when, again, I May Destroy You, which was arguably the best show of 2020, was completely shut out. The award show happens. It is disastrous for reasons that have nothing to do with how problematic the Hollywood Foreign Press is. They just, it was a terrible Zoom-based show. So in March, 102 PR firms banded together and signed a letter telling the Hollywood Foreign Press that they have instructed their clients to not work with them until the organization. Do PR agencies band together and do this kind of stuff? Is this is there like a precedent for this? Not that I could find. I mean, this is pretty rare that they did this because the whole thing with the Hollywood Foreign Press is just how ass-kissy they are. Right. They sent a letter to the organization saying that unless they outline a plan of dramatic change, they are going to be withholding their clients from them. Let's fast forward to May. So a couple of weeks ago, the organization voted to admit at least 13 black members within 18 months, as well as saying, oh, we'll elect a new board, but like in September. So then Time's Up called their attempt window dressing. And that same collection of publicists said that they would continue to withhold their clients from the Hollywood Foreign Press. Shortly after this, Netflix and Amazon said they would cease their relationship with the organization until more substantial changes were made. It should be noted that these are two streaming services whose legitimacy were built on getting Golden Globes wins early on, but whatever. Right. Then Tom Cruise in a truly performative stroke. Yeah, what is that about? (laughs) Tom Cruise put out a press statement saying he will be returning all three of his... uh, Golden Globes. What did he win the Golden Globes for? He won in 1990 for Born on the Fourth of July. Okay, I've actually never seen that. Then he won for Best Actor, Musical, or Comedy for Jerry Maguire. Do you think Jerry Maguire holds up? I'm going to say as like a huge Cameron Crowe. <laughs> as a huge Jonathan Lipnicki <laughs> fan. <laughs> I, I was going to say as a huge Cameron Crowe stand in my like teens and early 20s, a lot of the films don't hold up. Yeah. Except Vanilla Sky. Yeah, of course. And then, you know what? This one he shouldn't give back. He actually got a best supporting actor for magnolia oh yeah he earned that shit he earned that fair and square that is like the definition of an iconic supporting actor performance in a film for those of you who haven't seen magnolia it is a 
I don't know. It's a sad movie about sad people in LA and all of their sad lives are like intertwined. And then frogs rain down. It's a P.T. Anderson film. It's the one that he made after Boogie Nights because he basically knew he could make any film he wanted. And so he made a film he knew no one would allow him to make. If you've never seen it, you probably know it from the amazing Julianne Moore freaking out the pharmacy scene, which we'll just put the clip here because we love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you two! Don't you call me lady! I come in here, I give these things to you, you check, you make your phone calls, look suspicious, ask questions, I'm sick! I have sickness all around me and you fucking ask me my life? What's wrong? I'm using death in your bed, in your house! Where's your fucking decency? And then I'm asked fucking questions, what's wrong? Suck my dick! I mean, she was incredible. There's so many wonderful performances in this Fuck movie. You. Don't you call me lady? Oh yeah, that's Lauren's. Lauren does the best. I mean, you have to just do it. This is like Lauren's party trick. I know you can do it. The most obscure party trick. It's not the pharmacy freak out. Julianne Moore only freaks out in Magnolia. And there's a second scene where she's at a lawyer and she's trying to be written out of her husband's will because she married him for money, but now she really loves him and she feels like she never treated him well. And so the lawyer's like, I don't understand what's going on. And she goes, I, Alan, I cheated on him, okay? I cheated on him. I cheated on him many times. I sucked on the man's cock. <laughs> Like, makes Chelsea laugh every time. The delivery of the cocks is so specifically Julianne Moore. Yeah, there's there are some, like, sad people in that movie. But Tom Cruise, this, I think, is the best performance of his career. Absolutely. Playing a sort of Tony Robbins-esque men's rights activist slash motivational speaker. Yeah, it was a precursor kind of to the pickup artist movement. Yeah. Throughout the film, he's doing seminars about how to demean women to pick up women. Yeah. But every single scene he is in in this film is like better than the last one. You could get a supporting, you know, actor award for any of that shit i mean when his father dies obviously iconic his seminars iconic i mean he deserved the golden globe just for participating in that um amy man sing-along in the middle of the film <laughs> can we drop in the audio from that I remember thinking his voice was like better than I expected it to be. Would you have loved if Tom Cruise was like, look, I'm giving you two of my Golden Globes back. (laughs) I'm keeping Magnolia. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, okay. Because and then he didn't win the Oscar for that. No. Which is incredibly fucked up. I don't know who won. Michael Caine won for the Cider House Rules. Oh, see, I never saw that. I mean, I'm sure he was great, but boring. That's a film that has no cultural cachet at all. Yeah. Okay, the nominees are kind of iconic for 2000. Haley Joel Osment for The Sixth Sense. Okay, yes, killed it. Tom Cruise for Magnolia. Jude Law, The Talented Mr. Ripley. Mm-hmm. Michael Clark Duncan for The Green Mile. Okay. My Cocaine uh, for Cider House Rules. I mean, I still think that that's Tom Cruise's award. Okay, so anyway. That was a digression, but you know what? There's nothing that Lauren and I love talking about more than (laughs) Magnolia. Magnolia. (laughs) And we didn't even get into Tom Cruise's hair in Magnolia. (laughs) Give the hairstylist an Oscar. Fuck. That was a makeover. Uh, That was a look. 
He was hot. He was hot. It was very hot. The leather vest. Yes. Yeah, that was another iconic scene in Magnolia where he's like being interviewed by the chick and like, guys, DM us if you want us to do just a separate podcast <laughs> where we talk about Magnolia for an hour. Oh, you know what we can do? We could let we can rank the Magnolia characters from like saddest to least sad. <laughs> I think Julianne Moore is the saddest. Okay, we can't talk about this anymore, <laughs> okay. Chelsea. Okay, so the last nail in the Golden Globes coffin would be that NBC said that they will not air the show in 2022. This is probably the most significant form of protest because the Hollywood Foreign Press, which is a nonprofit, by the way, earned about $27 million, at least they did in 2017, from the network to air the broadcast. Oh, wow. I mean, can we talk about... I actually, like, live very close to the Hollywood Foreign Press offices, and it's the most jarring building I've ever seen. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, where is it? It's in West Hollywood. It's right by the Abbey. Okay. And it visually, architecturally, makes no sense with, like, anything else in Los Angeles. It's like this old-timey brick building. It looks like Eliza Doolittle should live in the basement (laughs) i'll add a picture of it to the show notes for the two people that care it's a little like the scene in casablanca where it's like i'm shocked i'm shocked there's gambling going on in this building it's like it was always a fucking corrupt system yeah i mean obviously they need to diversify their members but at the same time i kind of just like assume that all award shows are corrupt and like i kind of don't care that much i'm not like ooh, like the vh1 vogue fashion <laughs> awards are rigged it's, yeah obviously they're fucking rigged you know uh, well i guess the academy of arts and sciences which is the organization behind the academy awards has like strict rules about not gifting people which notoriously the hollywood foreign press does not have the same things Did we have a podcast yet when the Golden Globes happened? Because they happened later. I think we did. The crazy thing about this snowballing and the way that it has is it feels like there's every other year an article about how fuck the Hollywood foreign press is. And everyone just sort of shrugs their shoulders and like carries on and almost forgets about it like it's memento or something. Yeah. I pulled up kind of the funniest and most notorious gift giving things that actors have given the Hollywood foreign press and have been asked to give back. In 1999, Sharon Stone gifted the Hollywood foreign press members coach watches it's like ew keep it (laughs) like no disrespect coach we think your bubble bags are great if you'd love to do a collab with us yeah we'd love to do some spawn for you coach but 1999 coach watches i think we can all agree yeah and then in 2016 members were ordered to not accept tom ford fragrances which the designer and director sent during the nocturnal animals award season run oh that's genius I mean, fuck, that sucks for the Hollywood Foreign Press members. Tom Ford perfumes are so expensive. That's the thing you want to be gifted. What do you think he sent them? Like, what fragrance? Did he make a Nocturnal Animals one just for the occasion? If he was smart, he would have done that. <laughs> it smells like uh, someone, people being raped and murdered in the countryside. <laughs> this, this is what Aaron Taylor Johnson's crotch smells like. <laughs> God. It's like, fine, fuck the Golden Globes. But it doesn't negate the fact that we do want an award show that brings TV and movie people together where they get to drink and wear fancy clothing. Like, someone just do that. Yeah. We really don't care if it's the Golden Globes or the Critics Awards or the goddamn Blockbuster Awards. Why don't we just bring the Blockbuster Awards back? Yeah. Remember those? No, actually, I have no recollection Those used to air on fucking television. Well, I didn't have cable as a child. There's things that went over my head. Wow. There's huge cultural blind spots because of it. I mean, mom, dad, I, I almost forgive you for this. Is that why you wanted to go over to other people's houses? You didn't even want to play with them. You were like, "What's your What's your parents' cable yeah, I'm like, package?" 
CRL is on. <laughs> we are watching it. I need to see music videos. Hey, like, Chelsea, you want to play outside? Shut the fuck up. Yeah. No, fully. Fully. I would fully do that to my friends. Wow. Are they still friends with you? Actually, I am still friends with some of them. Yeah. So anyway, the Critics' Choice Awards are going to take the place of the Golden Globes this year. Okay. By the way, it's not too extreme of a protest. NBC is like, you know, we still plan to air them in 2023, but like, we need a cool off period. Yeah. So Ellen's over. Ellen's done. She's toast, baby. (laughs) She has decided to end her eponymous talk show after the 19th season, which is next season, which is like no one ends things at the 19th season unless things are terrible, right? It's like you get to 20 just for the For the hell of it. So in 2019, she signed a three-year deal, which would end in 2022. So really not that controversial either nbc was like maybe we don't exercise your option for another year resign a contract but she's filling her contract she's not leaving early although we just watched the savannah guthrie interview with her where she says that she almost didn't come back this year yeah but something tells me the 50 to 75 million dollars she makes a year (laughs) made it easier to come back i mean i'm not losing any sleep over this i didn't watch the ellen show except for occasionally when a kardashian would be on Because, I mean, to paraphrase something that Kate McKinnon once said on SNL, it does totally feel like daycare for adults. All of the games and shit, like, I hate that stuff. And she doesn't even dance anymore. Bitch can't even be bothered to shimmy over the coffee table. Uh, There's something in the last few years, not that I habitually watch the show, but I've watched clips of interviews. One, she doesn't seem to care to interview anyone at this point. Like, you can just see she's thinking about a new credenza in her Montecito home. Yeah, she's she's like, should I buy that thing from First Dibs or... (laughs) Also, did I tell you I watched Ellen's Design Star or whatever that reality show is with the reasonable expectation that she was the host of said show, but she's not. The host is fucking Scott Foley from Felicity. And she just like zooms in every once in a while to just check up on people. I thought you were going to say someone that made any semblance of sense, like a Stacey London. What do you mean? Scott Foley, Jennifer Garner's first husband, connecting it all back. Bringing it back. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what his what makes him a design expert, but he's there. He's there. It's happening. I've also never understood this recent trope she's done in the last few years where she scares the shit out of celebrities. Mm, so rude. She's literally had actors and actresses be like, I don't like being scared. I know you're going to do this. And she'll fake them out. And then she'll be like, okay, it's all good. And then someone will pop up and scare them. How no poor PA has not been like punched in the groin or face by like a Nicole Kidman or something. (laughs) And then basically forcing every actor for the last 12 years who comes out that they have to dance. It's already humiliating enough. They're promoting a film I'm sure they don't even enjoy to begin with. And then they have to dance. It seems terrible. It's also crazy on NBC. You have a stacked deck of the Kelly Clarkson daytime show, Drew Barrymore's daytime shows also, and then Ellen. It's like, she doesn't want to do it anymore. Well, you can see in her eyes that she hasn't wanted to do it for quite some time. She's somewhere else. Look, I'll always appreciate Ellen on some level. Just the fact that she exists, her contributions to pop culture. But at the same time, it's like, 
I don't really give a shit at this point. She seems like a mean person. So she recently did an interview with Savannah Guthrie where she said that the articles about her toxic work environment and how she's not a nice person seemed quite orchestrated, which it's like, yeah, it was like a Hollywood Reporter article. Yeah. From like sources for many years of former employees who worked for you. And then she also said it felt misogynistic. Girl. I mean, I'm surprised she wasn't like, this is homophobia. (laughs) Just because you're a woman being criticized or being held accountable, I I suppose. You can't cry sexism like that. It's just rude. As sexism is so prevalent, and there are so many concrete examples of it. And also, how did we know as two people that know no one that worked on the Ellen DeGeneres show that she's mean? Like, it's why it was widely known for years. Yeah. I feel like she gets a little too much credit for coming out of the closet. She was still closeted when she started her career. And there were so many people that were out before her that sort of faced the personal and professional consequences of being out that don't get credit. Like our friends Scott Thompson and Leah Delaria specifically. (laughs) And Sandra Bernhard too. I'm sure she lent a hand and had all of those people on her show when she had a show. Yeah, no, of course she doesn't. And like, they'll never get the credit that they deserve because they're too edgy. Whereas Ellen loves pandering to straight people. That's her whole shtick. What's her next chapter? What if she got back into movies? What if Mr. Wrong (laughs) 2 is coming out on (laughs) on Netflix? A a, a gender swapped uh, remake of In-N-Out? Oh, God. I, you know what? In-N-Out holds up. I think In-N-Out's good. Also, the casting of Tom Selleck in In-N-Out is chef's kiss. This is the digression podcast, but I'm not cutting any of this out. Also, Shalom Harlow playing like... Oh, Matt Dillon's girlfriend. Playing Kate Moss, basically. And also how the... I was recently... And he's playing Brad Pitt. He is, but it, the inspiration... We're talking about the 1997 Kevin <laughs> Klein film, In-N-Out. But the inspiration of the film comes from Tom Hanks, not outing a teacher, but he cleared it with the teacher before when he won for Philadelphia. He outed his a teacher he had, and that was the screenwriter who wrote In-N-Out took that as inspiration. So the Matt Dillon character wins an Academy Award. He is dressed like Brad Pitt from the 97 Oscars, and he thanks his, his teacher, played by Kevin Klein who is a gay man, and he's not. Kevin Klein is engaged to Joan Cusack, and then oh, shenanigans. Oh, iconic supporting performance from Joan sh- Cusack. And sh- that. Shenanigans ensue. Yeah. Wow, this is a real <laughs> trip down memory lane. So when there is death, there is also rebirth. Uh, so bye, Ellen. Hello, Laverne Cox. Who is not taking over <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres' daytime talk show, but she is, she will be the new host of E's red carpet coverage. By the way, I didn't even know that Juliana Rancic had exited her position, and I clicked on the link in the article, and it's only three days before Juliana Rancic announced that she will be leaving her post for a first-look deal at Universal. So she's not done yet. Oh, God. Ugh. I mean, I don't... I honestly... It keeps me up at night that she's had that job for as long as she has had it. Like, I'm pretty sure that anyone would be better in this role. The yodeling child with the cowboy hat (laughs) would probably be better than Juliana Rancic, honestly. But anyway, Laverne Cox. I mean, I'm into it. I, I love Laverne, you know. I've known Laverne since before she was famous, and I'm sure she'll do a great job. We need someone glamorous, too. She'll bring the glamour. You need someone glamorous, and in her statement, she makes reference to the fact of, like, I'm the type of person that would wake up early and, like, have snacks and watch E's red carpet coverage all day, which you need people like this who are actually excited. And also, 
understands the audience who is watching this. We yeah. need deeper cuts. We need like there is a better way, as we said, like during our Oscars coverage, during our Golden Globe coverage, that there's a better way to do E's red carpet coverage. Yeah. I think if they're having Laverne in the main role, they need to fill out the rest of the crew with some comedians. We can't have more of these nightly pop and daily pop people. Well, we can keep them in that whatever ease obsession with like we have the people on the red carpet and then we have people 26 miles away at a hotel. At the Roosevelt. They have to bring Louis Vertel in. Can we just can yeah. we champion this? Yeah, I mean, he really deserves it. It's like talk about putting in your 10,000 hours or whatever. It's like he's he was born for this. We need someone that is more of a fashion expert to come in here, too, obviously. Not fucking Brad Goreski. Sorry, Brad. But there's a 0% chance that Brad Goreski is listening to this. I mean, there's 0% chance that an E producer is listening to this, but I would just like to say we're available, E. Mm-hmm. We don't mind. You can put us in the Roosevelt so we don't like touch or talk to any actual celebrities, but we will, <laughs> we will come forth with some fashion historical perspective. We'll argue with Brad Goreski. <laughs> It'll be like that Tucker Carlson, John Stewart interview where we're just going at each other. <laughs> Brad's like, why can't you be funny? It's like, it's not about being funny. It's about being historically accurate, Brad. <laughs> that is not Hollywood Regency. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what are we going to have to, we're going to have to wait until the Emmys to probably finally see Laverne. Certainly not the Golden Globes because they're not happening. Yeah. Well, when is the Emmys? I already- September. Okay, and I'm already seeing for your consideration billboards up for shit. Like I saw one for um, fucking The Crown. It's like, really? Already we're doing this? I guess. Also to clarify, for people that don't live in Los Angeles, (laughs) we get a lot of marketing. We get the first round of marketing for a film and a television show. Then a few months later, we get a full another round of for your consideration billboards, which are basically just geared towards, you know, the the voting body. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Which it also doesn't make any sense because Los Angeles is home to stop and go traffic and you have these gigantic billboards with a ton of writing on them. Why are there not more for your consideration related accidents is what I'm saying. (laughs) Totally. It makes you feel like they're never going to stop with these crown billboards. Well, thankfully, the show's coming to the end, I think, next season or the season after that. Mm. And they're like, we'll be motherfucked if we do Megan, okay? Well, they have to do Megan and Harry. They have to bring it, you know. A full circle. To bring it full circle. So this week, two divas, Mariah Carey and Britney Spears, released pride collections for their basic gay male fans. <laughs> one, one better than the other, I must say. But that's just my, my straight Karen energy coming to this. But. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, well, Britney's was fucked. Britney's basically had the same level of design as the pride stuff at Target. How dare you disrespect Target's pride stuff? Even the Photoshop of the fake products that are available were shitty. And it was all rainbow motifs. And Mariah Carey had a lot of rainbow motifs as well, but it was a mixed bag. There was other stuff too. Well, also Mariah had an album called Rainbow. Yeah. That featured album art with a rainbow. So it at least makes a, a, a little bit of sense. Yeah, but part of her pride collection is a rainbow fan that says shade, which... You know that's going to be the best-selling item. Frankly, I want the uh, Mariah Rainbow body tee, which looks like one of those boardwalk shirts where uh, mm-hmm. um, Mariah's body is basically spray-painted in the uh, in the rainbow shirt. That was from the album cover. Yeah, that was cute. I like that. The Britney one is, they didn't even try. I mean, this is obviously her father, Jamie, selecting the graphic <laughs> designer. 
I think because they're both so apolitical, it is a little annoying to see them capitalizing on gay pride. If you have receipts, I don't care. But like Elizabeth Taylor and Liza Minnelli, they are not. (laughs) If you're going to have a pride store, I need to know like how much money have you raised for Amphar? What have you done for the gay community lately? Yeah. If Elizabeth Taylor wanted to sell me like a rainbow dildo, it's like fine. You mean the estate of Elizabeth Taylor because (laughs) she's no longer with us. The white diamonds uh, pride dildo. Uh, My biggest issue on the Britney Spears one, the link that you sent me, there are these rainbow socks that are supposed to be, you know, work bitch. But it says bitch work. (laughs) It's like how the socks are printed. No, but there's like one sock that says bitch, the other one that says work, but how they presented it as a product shot, it just says bitch work. Another thing, it's like people need to stop using rainbows to market shit to gay people during Pride. Most gay people I know don't like rainbows. You know, it's lazy. But the only thing worse than the rainbow is the new pride flag. Have you seen it? No. The inclusive pride flag. Oh no. You have to, I mean, just Google it. It's like the classic rainbow pride flag and then jutting into it is this triangle with a black stripe and a brown stripe that represents black and brown queer people and then like the trans colors, which the trans people have like a really cute color scheme for their flag. And by the way, you're not poo-pooing the inclusion of these groups. You're poo-pooing the design. I'm not poo-pooing the inclusion of these groups, obviously. But I will say that the rainbow inherently represents a spectrum of identities. That is the core concept of the rainbow flag. And that should be inherently inclusive of trans people and people of color. I just don't think that the solution to a lack of inclusivity within the queer community is this flag. Like this flag is ugly as fuck. This is why we don't have our rights because people care more about this shit. So on a related note, (laughs) since we don't have actual advertisers, I figured we should advertise our own shit on this podcast. So I've written a little commercial for our new pride merch. Are you a raging lesbian or a fan of lesbians? Do you resent the stereotype that lesbians are cheap, humorless bitches who can't dress for shit? (laughs) Are you already stressed about what to wear to pride? (laughs) Fear not that every outfit J'adore Dykes tee is here. You can broadcast your sexuality to strangers and pay homage to your favorite canceled fashion designer. The shirt is available in two colorways, black and blue, and is available for pre-order for a limited time only at everyoutfitinc.com. That's everyoutfitinc.com. I will also include a link in the episode show notes, and 100% of the proceeds will be donated to a gay person in need, which is me. (laughs) I'm in need of money because tax season is is here, baby. Uncle Sam's coming for me. See, potential advertisers, we could kill it with the spawn if you actually gave us a chance to sell your Casper mattress or Olipop. your Olipop, which Ath- I drink all the time anyway. So. Athletic Greens. Yeah. Hulu subscriptions. Blue Apron. Hello Fresh. Daily Harvest. Come at me. Yeah. All right, so Miu Miu revealed the first photos from their Levi's Upcycle collaboration. The capsule collection features Levi's men's 501 jeans and trucker jackets from the 80s and 90s, sourced from Levi's archive. And it's given the Miu Miu treatment of hand-embellished crystals. The Miu Miu treatment, like everything is just like Peter Pan collars and crystals and bows and shit. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, and Art Deco leather patches. So notable looks include a Duchess satin puff sleeve trucker jean jacket and beaded jeans. The collection is only a thousand pieces and will be available at select Mew Mew stores and Dover Street Market in LA. The collection starts at $980 and goes to $5,800. Uh, the press release notes that no two pieces are alike. People already pay like a freakish amount of money for vintage Levi's anyway, so the price doesn't offend me. I personally wouldn't want to wear a crystal encrusted denim jacket, but sure, I support this. I like the denim jacket and the jeans with the the leather appliques that looks kind of like a, a nudie suit. You know, Prada has been kind of at the forefront or one of the few design houses that have been at the forefront of really pushing a, a upcycling agenda. Upcycling is basically taking anything old and adding to it and making it new again well yeah and Mew Mew has been doing this like they have a whole upcycling I don't want to call it a sub label but it's a thing they're doing where they basically just like buy vintage dresses and add Peter Pan collars it's psychotic so I thought when I initially read this and we'll put the the link in the episode description or in the episode notes but yeah it's like upcycled by Mew Mew and I was like oh they're taking like archive dresses or fabrics ideally the idea of upcycling is these design houses and their archives must have dead stock fabric. I was like, oh, or they're taking dresses that never sold from the archive and just updating them. No, they're literally going into vintage stores and I'm sure buying already expensive dresses because the upmarket now in vintage is so insane to begin with and then just making it more expensive by mumu-fying it. My favorite is there's one gold brocade 60s type dress with an empire waist and they literally just put a single bow on the empire waist. The idea of upcycling and attempting to make the fashion industry more sustainable is needed. But like the current state of upcycling is just, it's a little gimmicky, right? Yeah, well, it's real, it's really gimmicky. I feel like it's giving license to luxury brands to basically charge more instead of taking this as an opportunity to try to like democratize the price points of high fashion through sustainability. Yeah, but it's also, they're not giving me what I actually want, which is vintage pieces. I don't understand why Mew Mew doesn't just sell vintage Mew Mew in the store. Like, it's actually crazy, but there's a beautiful Dries Van Noten store in LA on La Cienega, and they do that. They have, there's a whole room that's just vintage Dries, which is so genius. It's the same thing with Levi's. It's like, how is there this insane secondary market for vintage Levi's, yet you can't go into a Levi's store and buy a pair of vintage cutoffs? Like, I, I don't understand this intellectually. And it's also the point that we've previously made which is they obviously have dead stock fabric it's yeah. like just make old dresses or contemporary Mew Mew silhouettes with old fabrics that is what people want yeah it's like they have to have dead stock cat print fabric from <laughs> whenever that era was also what bothers me of this like current concept of upcycling within luxury houses is it's mixing in like the scarcity model of Supreme where they're only releasing limited runs because that's kind of inherent to sustainability but then it also mixes in the gimmicky idea of like no two pieces are alike so it justifies this insane price tag to it yes upcycling clothing is a sustainable practice but anyone that can afford to buy one of these reworked Mew Mew dresses is someone that has a lot of clothes yeah that's someone that just spends tens of thousands of dollars on clothes every single year and is just acquiring a huge amount of shit anyway so serving that customer in this way like isn't really doing much you know 
But yeah, that was my point earlier about this could be such an opportunity to lower the price point on certain things. Do a diffusion line with dead stock fabric. is kind of already a diffusion line when you think about it. Diffuse the diffusion. Yeah, hey, Marc Jacobs did it <laughs> like 50 times. And so I'm saying they should be Mew by Mew Mew. <laughs> or Mew Mew Mew. Mew by Mew Mew. <laughs> There's a nice ring to it. Yeah. Mew Mew by Mew Mew. Or it's like, ooh, you know what would be cute? Lil Mew. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Is it that time again? Kardashian. Kardashianaholics Anonymous. This is a case for the FBI. So I actually have no idea what we're talking about this week. So I'm, ta- I'm taking take, the wheel. Take me, th- Jesus, take the wheel. Should we start with Courtney and Travis? Sure. So for Mother's Day, Travis gave Courtney a truly insane large bouquet that I have to imagine gave like Jeff Latham a nervous breakdown trying Ooh, to put it all together. It. And then also what's being reported, although you have a perspective on this, which is it's being reported that Travis got Courtney a custom heretic goop candle that says this smells like Courtney's orgasm, but you say that's not true. No, that's fake news. It's <laughs> fake news because Goop and Heretic sent these influencer boxes to a ton of celebs, including Kim, including Demi Lovato, and all of them like posted this candle on their stories like a couple of weeks ago. So Courtney obviously got one and then was like, Travis, do you want my orgasm candle? You know, because they're so horny for each other all the time. And she thought it would be a nice little gift for him. I'm sure somewhere his ex-wife Shayna Mokler is screaming because something tells me she didn't get a giant Jeff Latham bouquet (laughs) for Mother's Day. And then on Wednesday, Courtney posted a photo on her Instagram that said, I tattoo. And the photos that followed featured her with a tattoo gun giving Travis Barker the tattoo, I love you, in what I imagine is her own handwriting. Cute. They're just two horny teens in love, you know? Um... I did get another email from Caitlyn Jenner this week with the uh, subject line, I support the wall. There's really nothing more to say than that. She just is all for that, that border wall. You know, she lives for that shit. Caitlin recently did an interview with CNN's Dana Bush, where she said that she was asked if she voted for Donald Trump or not. And she replied that she didn't see the point in voting at all because California is such a blue state. To which Bush then asked, well, did you vote for any of the down ballot candidates or propositions? To which Caitlin replied, no, it was voting day. And I thought the only thing out here in California that I worry about, which affects people, is the propositions that were out there. By the way, it doesn't name a single proposition, but fine. And I didn't see any propositions that I really had one side or the other. And so it was election day and I just couldn't get excited about it. So I just wound up playing golf And I said, I'm not doing that. To which Dana Bush sensibly asked, well, how do you expect voters to get excited to vote for you if you didn't vote? God, she's so dumb. Like, Caitlin gave a wishy-washy non-answer. But here's the thing, Chelsea. I don't know if Caitlin knew this or not, but it's publicly available to see if you voted or not. And Caitlin fucking voted in 2020. So that's even more psychotic is she invented a whole lie about a day and I thought about it, but I played golf instead. Yeah, that's crazy. She definitely like voted for that proposition that fucked over Uber drivers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those YouTube pre-roll ads definitely worked on her. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, so she continues to be terrible. What's less terrible? I mean, we didn't cover this last week, but it was reported that the U.S. government was going after Kim Kardashian to return a stolen ancient Rome statue. And thankfully, we didn't cover it because this week it was revealed that in fucking done news, it's probably Kanye who bought it. So wait, who is it stolen from? 
they think it was raided during like an archaeological site. It's from like the first or second century. So it's art. So it wasn't like stolen during World War II or something like more problematic. No. So it's being reported that it's Kanye who got the piece of art, but I actually read the entire article and what's even juicier is it's actually Axel Vervat. That's how you say it? The Belgian. I have no idea, but I do know that he's an iconic uh, minimalist interior designer and architect, interior architect. Yeah. Yeah, who Kanye is obsessed with, and he's basically the one with Kanye, and I suppose Kim, to a lesser extent, made the Hidden Hills house what it is. So the juicier thing is that it's actually Axel who imported that statue into the United States in 2016 and put Kim's name, and really her trust, on the customs document. So... It, Why did he do that if he was just... The the thought is maybe because it was important in 2016 when he was working on their house, that it right. was meant for their house. Or, I mean, if you want to be toxic about it, maybe he's illegally importing art through celebrities. Honestly, I've seen this statue and it's like, not that cute. Yes, well, Verva told TMZ that he acquired the statue in good faith from a French gallery, which it which in turn says it bought it from a German auction house. He adds, at this point, there's no evidence that this piece was illegally imported from Italy. But if an investigation proves that the piece was actually exported from Italy without a proper export license from the Italian Ministry of Culture, then we will, of course, take our responsibility. Do you think think they've purchased, like, stolen Tracy Emin neon pieces as well? (laughs) They just fell off a truck somewhere. There has to be some black market Marikami artist here in L.A., right? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. So anyway, Kim's name is yet again being dragged through the mud because of Kanye. Poor Kimmy. But like, of course she didn't fucking illegally import a piece of art. Like, you think between raising the four kids, her vegan lifestyle, the law degree, running KKW Beauty, KKW Fragrance, Skims, she's got time to look at a catalog about what ancient Roman sculpture she wants in the hallway? Yeah, obviously I don't think any of this was like intentional or known or understood by her. That's it. That's it. Yeah, there wasn't that much Kardashian stuff this week, but, you know, I'm sure they'll do something crazy for next week. Well, you sent me that next week they're going to release Kendall's tequila. Oh, I know. Thank God. I'm going to be, like, driving to every, like, liquor store in L.A. trying to find this shit. Yeah, so I guess next week get excited for us if we can find Kendall's tequila doing a live taste test. Yeah, okay. I'll not be hungover (laughs) for that. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening again. We love you. See you next week.